This is the Chronically Well Podcast, Episode 6, with special guest Whitney Goodman. And I am Callie Dixon, your host, and I started this podcast for people who want to live well, despite and even because of chronic illness. The mind has such a profound impact on the body, and the body has such a profound impact on the mind that you're going to find patients that are struggling with depression and anxiety because of their physical illness. And if you took that away, they might not be struggling with those things. Maybe they were things that they, you know, we have to look at this situationally. And also there are a lot of chronic illnesses that have a neurological component that change your serotonin levels and your dopamine. And they change the, you know, the structure of your brain to some degree that we have to be aware of how those things are impacting mental health. And that's not just an anxiety disorder. When people talk about, oh, you're going to get to this place where you're healed, I don't really believe that that exists. Mm -hmm. Um, We're always going to be healing, recovering, changing something in our lives. Today on the show, I get to talk to Whitney, who is a licensed therapist in Florida. She works commonly and specializes in chronic illness. So she is going to share with us today ways that we can break the trauma cycle, how we can get out of a panic attack when we're in one, how common it is for people who have chronic illness to also suffer from anxiety and depression, and how one goes about navigating all of this when you're already dealing with so many doctor's appointments and all of the things that come along with a chronic illness. So if you have a chronic illness and you have experienced any of the symptoms that come along with that, um, tune in because she is going to help give you a starting point for how to really not only live chronically well, but live mentally well with a chronic illness. Hello, everyone. I am so excited today because we have Whitney Goodman on the podcast. Um, She is a licensed marriage and family therapist. Hi, Whitney. Um, She owns the Collaborative Counseling Center in Miami, Miami, Florida. She works with so many different types of people, um, people with anxiety, depression, couples, those with addictions, cancer patients, and those of us with chronic illness, which is how Whitney and I first kind of met was through Instagram. I saw this amazing therapist who was putting out great advice and um, I had to befriend her. So um, thanks so much for agreeing to this interview, Whitney. I'm so excited. I've been looking so forward to having this conversation. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay. Um, Okay. So first question, why did you decide to become a therapist? So, you know, I wish that I had um, a a good answer for this (laughs) question. (laughs) When I was looking over it, I kind of decided on a whim. I went to Tulane and I graduated with a sociology degree. And the whole time I was in college, I guess I didn't really think about the whole getting a job part. Right. Like, that sounds interesting. Yeah. So um, yeah. right before graduation, I started Googling things that I 
could do. I've always wanted to work with people. I, I had a lot of volunteer experience in college and I sort of stumbled on counseling. I was like, this sounds like something I should do. I applied yeah. and here I am all these years later. Um, well, I'm glad you did. Yeah. I'm glad you followed that trail. <laughs> I, I get it. I am a school psychologist apart from like the Instagram stuff I do. And that just kind of happened because I wanted summers off <laughs> and I thought I could help people. So I get it. Absolutely. Well, we're glad that you decided on that. Um, so let's just go ahead and get right into it. Um, you see many different types of patients. Um, but you seem to have quite a few with chronic illness. I see that that kind of sparks a lot of engagement on your Instagram, um, page. So what are some common feelings, um, areas that you kind of see that need to be addressed for those with chronic illnesses? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say this doesn't apply to all my clients, but certainly a lot of them, um, is a lot of people feeling quite isolated. I think that our world doesn't really have a place for people that don't really get better, right? Mm -hmm. Like when we think about illness, it's got this narrative of like, you get sick, people rally around you, they have fundraisers and blah, blah, blah. And then you're supposed to get better. Right. And there's this population of people that that's not really the reality or they have something that's not known. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a big issue. That and this idea of not being believed or being misunderstood, I think is a really big thing. Um, people being confused on why you can do things some days and not others or why they can't see what's wrong with you. Um, and so there's this big component of like, I want to be understood. I want people to get what I'm going through uh, <laughs> when I have a disease that like you can't pronounce or nobody's even heard of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. And I... I think that's so true. And with the disease that I have, Mm -hmm. I've known people that it took like 15 years to find out what they had. And in the meantime, doctors were just telling them they were crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So that kind of leads to the next question because I think that comes up a lot. Um, When you're talking to a doctor and they don't believe you, you might hear Mm -hmm. Um, that it's all in your head. It's all in your mind. And you had a post one time about like the difference between it's all in your head and also the importance of, of your head, of the Mm -hmm. mind body connection. So, yeah, I really don't understand why people go this route because your mind is part of your body. It's, it's all connected. And I get the sense that if doctors can't find out what's wrong with you medically, they sort of send you into psychiatry and say, well, it it must be fake then, or you must be making it up. And I think that the mind has such a profound impact on the body and the body has such a profound impact on the mind that you're going to find patients that are struggling with depression and anxiety because of their physical illness. And if you took that away, they might not be struggling with those things. Maybe they were things that they, you know, we have to look at this situationally and also there are a lot of chronic illnesses that have a neurological component that change your serotonin levels and your dopamine and they change the you know the structure of your brain to some degree that mm. we have to be aware of how those things are impacting mental health and that's not just an anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, that's so huge. And I think, um, yeah, I think a lot of people just get confused because they think, well it doesn't matter my mental health because 
it's my body, but then there's the opposite. Yeah. So, um, that's really, I don't think we have to choose between one or the other. I think both can be struggling at the same time. And if you have a physical health diagnosis, it doesn't take away from it. If you also are struggling with your mental health. And that's a big thing that I find in this community is that people with chronic illness don't want to seek mental health services because they're afraid that that's going to diminish from the reality mm-hmm. or the sort of like believe, believe yeah. or whatever word you want to use. Um, yeah. <laughs> the yeah, actual no, illness. I get that. Cause then it's like, if you're going to a therapist, then, mm-hmm. okay, well, she's obviously crazy. She is making it up. Right. Right. Yeah. She's waving the white flag and, and people mm-hmm. that come to see me, like, we're not talking about your condition in those terms. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. talking about what it's like to live with your condition. How can we help you live with it better? Not like, how can we get rid of this condition through counseling? Right. That's, that's not really... Sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. It's, <laughs> it's not really the reality, you know? Yeah. I think that's huge. And I think that there... I, I feel like there should be cards handed to people as you're given a diagnosis it's like okay here's a therapist too yeah I wish right they just Mm -hmm. said they give you like these little color-coded pamphlet things of your disease and it's like all right good luck right yeah don't be depressed exactly exactly um so I'm glad you're out there doing something about that um so tell me a little bit and you know, we haven't covered this yet, um, about the fight or flight response. Like what might kind of tell our brains to do? Yeah, absolutely. So we, you know, our responses to anxiety and, and to, to fear, like haven't changed. We're still sort of living back in time and this can cause us to feel the fight or flight response when we really shouldn't. Right. Mm -hmm. So you might notice that you got these symptoms of anxiety, whether it's like heart, uh, your heart is beating quickly, your stomach hurts, your sweaty palms. When you're in situations that really aren't that dangerous, like public speaking, you know, that's a response that used to happen when maybe a bear was chasing us <laughs> and we just haven't reoriented. So these, these things are not dangerous in the sense that like they don't threaten our survival, but they're triggering that response. Now, someone who's experienced trauma in their life is going to be overreactive in terms of their fight or flight response. So they might have a worldview that like nothing is safe anymore mm-hmm. because they've gone through trauma. And this can be any type of trauma, whether it's, you know, sexual abuse, medical trauma, I see a lot of in my work, like anything that has caused you to question like the safety of your body, your environment can cause this fight or flight response to be out of whack. So yeah. a lot of what we have to do in fixing that is is sort of regulating our response again and learning that situations are safe and we don't need to be so sort of on alert and on edge all the time. This is a random question that I'm adding because as you're talking, it made me think about it, but do you ever have patients who kind of dread going to the doctor because of the fact that they have gotten this diagnosis? And so now it's just like this... Scary, Absolutely. Scary so there's, there's like two types of, of health anxiety, I think, on the ends of the spectrum, right? Is that we mm-hmm. have this like 
really avoidant, which is what you're talking about. People that are so afraid of getting another diagnosis or hearing that they're worse, that they just won't go to the doctor at all. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have people that they feel like a twinge in their knee and they're like, I have cancer. (laughs) And you know, it it can vastly, and neither one of those is good. They're both causing distress, but it's absolutely common and, and something that I see often. It's a hard balance to strike. It is. It's been rough for me. Yeah. Yeah. I had a zit and Mm -hmm. I thought I had sinus cancer. So yeah. Yeah. Well, you, it's, it's very reasonable why you would feel that way because especially if you get diagnosed with something, let's say somebody who missed something on them and they get diagnosed late in the game that becomes like, Oh, I wasn't paying attention enough. I need to be vigilant. I need to look out for signs of X, Y, and Z. And it, it really becomes distressing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can, that's something I'm fighting all, all, yeah, the, time, yeah. all the time. Um, okay. So I'm not going to give away a ton of free therapy from you. People can actually pay to see you. But um, do you have any recommendations for someone who may be listening to this, who is just kind of desperate to kind of break out of that trauma cycle, give their body every chance to heal, any tools, tactics that you would recommend? Yeah, absolutely. So when working with trauma or someone that's trying to heal from from anything that's impacted them physically, I always start with breathing. And it seems like the simplest thing and, and clients tend to get irritated. Like, okay, everybody's telling me to breathe. I already know how to breathe. Yeah, yeah. But there are different types of breathing that really will help you regulate your nervous system, regulate your stress response. And that's like doing diaphragmatic breathing where you're breathing in really deep through your nose, letting your abdomen expand and then breathing out slowly. When you are in a traumatized state, you can't talk your way out of that. It's you need to regulate yourself. You need to get your heart rate back down. You need to get grounded in the space. Like for anybody that's experiencing trauma, you might notice that you feel like an out of body experience. Mm-hmm. And this breathing component is so essential. It's it's where I would tell everybody to start. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For me, when it happens, it's just like a I just am like a statue. I can't move. I'm yeah, immobilized. So you go into like freeze. Yeah. In the fight, fight, or freeze. Yeah. Or yeah. I would be dead. I would be the person <laughs> who's getting eaten by the bear. <laughs> I would not be running. <laughs> I'm glad we lived. In situations, it would be helpful for you. I <laughs> need yeah. freeze every now and then. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you. That is helpful. Um, is there any like you have to count for a certain amount of time or is it just kind of... So honestly, I think you... For people who um, can be very like in their head space, Mm -hmm. which is me, honestly, it helps me to count the breaths. Okay. So I might go like in one, two, three, four, out, because then I'm thinking about counting and I'm not thinking about something else. Yeah. Like at night, if you can't sleep, that can be really helpful if you're somebody who experiences racing thoughts. Um, there's a lot of great, like free stuff on YouTube. Okay. If you look up like breathing exercises, that's where I tell people to start. And if it's helpful for you and you're really into it, there's so many apps that you can download, um, yeah. that will also help you with that. There's some good meditation ones. Um, yeah, totally. You know, calm app. That mm-hmm. I use. Good. So thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So 
you kind of hit on this before, like, what if we don't heal? We've tried everything. We're still sick. Um, you talk a lot on Instagram about kind of the journey. Um, can you share a little bit more about what is that? What is the journey? Yeah, absolutely. So I think healing, when people talk about, oh, you're going to get to this place where you're healed, I don't really believe that that exists. Mm-hmm. Um, we're always going to be healing, recovering, changing something in our lives. Mm-hmm. You will get to places where you're like, wow, I'm doing a lot better, but there might be another challenge that comes up or, or something different. And especially for someone dealing with an illness that may not have a cure today, it's really difficult, I think, to live in a space where it's like, I can't start living until I fix this. Mm. Because that may not happen. And I'd hate for somebody, you know, to live like that and, and not really ever get to live. Yes. Yeah. And this word... Perpetual limbo. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And like this word journey also, I think, can be so fury <laughs> um, about like, oh, you know, it's, it's part of the journey. You're going to get to the destination. And mm-hmm. yeah, okay, maybe that's true. Mm-hmm. But I think, again, it, there's always going to be something that you're working on, whether you have an illness or you don't. Mm-hmm. That's and so huge, yeah. Yeah, like learning to sort of live in those in-betweens is so, so important. Yeah. It's interesting because when I stopped focusing so much on the physical healing, mm-hmm. eventually like the physical feel- healing did happen for me, which I'm thankful for, but not until, not until I just started accepting who I was. Not yeah. 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 And you can get into a lot of like perfectionism in terms of healing. Like I need to yeah. get back to exactly how I was before I got sick yeah. um, or before this happened. And and I think for some people with chronic illness, like they don't even remember what that was like. And it can right. kind of be this idealized version of your old self yeah. that never struggled and never had. And, and you did. You had problems when you were healthy. Sorry. Okay. Mailman. <laughs> it's rough. Rough. For I hear you. Uh, okay. Well, we'll move on to the next one. Okay. So. Anxiety is highly correlated with my illness, with interstitial cystitis. Do you see this in many of your clients? And you kind of said, you know, it induces it, but um, you shared that you struggle with anxiety as well. Um, Would you mind sharing just a bit of your own story, how you kind of feel experiencing it yourself, what's helped you become, if that's maybe helped you become a better equipped therapist. And as you talk, I'm going to disappear from the screen for a second because my dog is eating the mail. So. Oh no. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to share about my own experience and I do a lot. I think it's really important for therapists to be honest um, about the things that they've been through and, and sort of the struggles that they've had. For me, my anxiety led me to my first therapy experience um, when I was like an adolescent, I think. And since then, I've learned a lot of ways to deal with my own anxiety. Um, It's not something that rules my life at all anymore, which is really, really nice, but it definitely comes up for me. Like I hit, we all have our limits, I think, Mm -hmm. where we sort of tip and we're like, oh, I may need some different skills to deal with (laughs) this issue. I was doing great for the last year. Now this is a lot. But 
when you think about the stress that it's involved in having a chronic illness, it's, it's like a full-time job for a lot of people that you're going to be anxious. Yeah. It's kind of weird if, I mean, if you're not anxious at times, it, it, you might not be paying attention or fully absorbing the situation. Now that doesn't mean that it needs to be crippling, but I think there's going to be a level of insecurity involved. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. You have no idea what's happening to your body. Yeah. And now what? And I had anxiety over food. Mm -hmm. There were certain foods that I was told could hurt me and certain foods that I really wanted that I wasn't supposed to have. And then it was like, well, what if I like literal, like almost panic attacks over (laughs) the fact that I couldn't have coffee yeah, or chocolate or Yeah. yeah. Food's um, a really common one. The which what? Food is a really common point is of anxiety. It? Absolutely. Oh, I thought I just had. No, I mean, when you think about what goes into food in terms of like, one, it helps you live. Two, right. it's the social component. Yes. It's a huge part of your day. It's something you can't do without. It's, mm-hmm. it's huge. Like mm-hmm. it's a big part of life. And I remember thinking like, you can't just set it on the shelf. Like it's always it's like, okay, breakfast, what am I going to eat? Well, I can't have that. Okay, lunch, what am I going to eat? Oh, I can't have that. Yeah. And yeah. And that's a constant reminder of what you're struggling with, mm-hmm. you know, when you're constantly having to make different accommodations and adjustments. Yes. It's a constant reminder of the pain and that it's still there. It's still present. And yeah, the social thing. Oh, that was huge. Yeah. Yeah. Because you feel like people are maybe judging you too, or yeah, you just can't do a lot of the things you could before that's hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, skip into completely different, but tips for someone who may be in the middle. Well, you talked about breathing. So if you, we could skip this one too, but if they're in the middle of a panic attack. So. Yeah. So I think in, in a panic attack, the same thing go to the breathing first. Um, when you're in a panic attack, you might not notice this in the moment, but you are not breathing regularly. A lot of the time people will start to take very short, shallow breaths or they'll hold their breath. Hmm. So I recommend like going to the breathing. Another thing is don't judge yourself in the middle of a panic attack. A lot of people say, Oh, I can't believe it's happening. I got to stop this. And it becomes like you're fighting against Mm. it. Yeah. That just increases the sensation of panic. Okay. So it's okay to just breathe and say, okay, this is where I'm at. I'm safe. I can move through this and not really fight to stop it. Okay. Go with yeah. it. Yeah. Go with it. And it will okay. end. It will end a lot quicker that way. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I've never heard it put like that before. <laughs> it's great. Um, okay. Let's talk about self-care. What is self-care? Why does it matter? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm very passionate about debunking Mm -hmm. self-care. Self-care are the things that you do for yourself every single day that Mm. help you function. So self-care is not just like bubble baths and you know, a lot. Self-care has really been commercialized, especially for women. It is a multi-million dollar business now Mm. and people are profiting off of our self-care needs. Yes. Go get Self- your meals done. Yeah. Which like, okay, great. I'm right. the first person to say, go yeah. for it. But that's not going to help you, especially in a crisis or when you're not feeling well. Those are like 
band-aids, they're treats, they're good little things to throw around. But I would say like biggest things in terms of self-care are what food are you putting into your body? Nutrition is a form of self-care. How much are you sleeping? Are you drinking water? Um, are you spending time around people that you enjoy, that you like? Hmm. What's your What's your job like? What's your work day like? Because if all those things are out of whack, I don't care how many times you get a massage and get your nails done, you're not going to feel better. Yeah. You're just going to reset. Yeah. Reset for like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> back to it. Exactly. Exactly. That's a great perspective. Um, all right. So, chronic illness um, is comorbid with more mental health conditions than just anxiety. I don't know if, are there more of them that you know of? How might someone seek help for them? Sure. Sure. So depression is another big one and anxiety and depression tend to come, you know, hand in hand. They're two sides of, of the same coin, essentially. Um, I think anyone that's struggling when they have a chronic illness, and like you said, everybody who gets diagnosed should be referred to a therapist. I would recommend, you know, if you have a good relationship with your doctor, it's okay to say this to them and say, you know, I'm, I'm feeling these symptoms. Do you think you would have a referral for me to talk to someone? If you're worried about your doctor sort of diminishing your reliability, which I hate to hear that that's happening, but I know that it does. Honestly, go on psychology today, Google chronic illness therapist. Like that's how a lot of people find me. Awesome. It will come up in your area. Um, I know I personally see clients online through video software just like this. So if you're homebound or you don't want to add another doctor appointment to your list, that's a really great resource to look for. And it takes a lot of the work out of going to therapy. That's great. Yeah. That is, that was part of it for me too. Mm-hmm. I was kind of in between therapists for a while, but um, I just didn't want to go to one more appointment. It's like I'm leaving my house how many times and it'd be kind of nice to have the sitter watch the kids so I could go do something fun and yeah. Like, yeah. I want to go to a movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to go to all of these people. <laughs> Another doctor. <laughs> yes. Oh, so that's cool. That's a great option. Totally. Um, so I've also read that chronic illness is common in those who have been physically or emotionally abused. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about that? Have you seen this? Would you say that's true? So there's a lot of new research that's come out, you know, fairly recently that a lot of autoimmune disorder, a lot of chronic conditions are related to just trauma in general. Okay. Um, so I could see how, you know, someone might have said that a, an abusive relationship could result in, in there being some health issues. Prolonged stress can lead to profound changes for us in the body. I... Um, I think some people are a little over-reliant on this and saying like all of these illnesses are caused by trauma. Yeah, yeah. And there are a lot of cases where there are people who have not experienced trauma Mm -hmm. and some some medical professionals will say, oh, they just don't remember the trauma. So then there's... And, and I, yeah. yeah, and I can understand the desire to want to make that generalization, mm-hmm. but I I think that it's probably responsible for a lot of cases, but certainly not all of them. No. Interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, this next one, suicide. Um, the suicide rate, it's more than triple 
the national average for those with IC. Um, and I guess that's probably true for a lot of other chronic illnesses as well. Um, if let's say someone is listening to this, they saw a therapist and chronic illness and they mm-hmm. are here um, and they are having suicidal thoughts, um, what would you recommend? So I absolutely first recommend, you know, reach out to somebody and and share this information, somebody that you trust, that you're comfortable being vulnerable with. It doesn't have to be a professional. Mm -hmm. It's great if it is, but just to be able to say like, hey, I'm having these thoughts. I need your help. Like that's an amazing first step. If you don't feel comfortable doing that with any family members or friends or a professional that you know there is a suicide hotline that you can call. I don't know the number off. That's okay. I'll put it in the Yeah. yeah. And um, you can contact them and there's crisis workers. And that's a great place to call, especially if you're like feeling that way in the moment because mm-hmm. um, they, they can really help you out. I think the biggest thing with suicidal thoughts is that I want people to not feel like they're the only person that this has ever happened to. Mm-hmm. It's actually fairly common, especially yeah. among people that are depressed or, or struggling. It's a symptom. Um, and it's not something to be afraid of. It's something to sort of like open the door on and start a dialogue. And, and even just through sharing that, I think people feel a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, so I have a, a group of other girls that have IC and we, we've never met in person. We just talk, um, through just a little thread on Facebook. Um, and I remember the first time I admitted to them, I was like, you know, I had suicidal thoughts for a while mm-hmm. and like every single one of them was like, yeah, me too. Oh yeah, me too. Just knowing that was so freeing to know, okay, yeah. I, there's not something terribly wrong with me. This is just, this is what comes with the territory a lot. And, but that also means that, yeah, you can't just keep that to yourself. and Yeah. 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 And I think the shame is what often sort of continues yeah. to fuel those thoughts yeah. and makes you feel even more isolated. And, and people who commit suicide tend to feel isolated, like there's no hope, there's no out. And I think when you're able to see other people that have experienced this and have come out on the other side, yes. like even you just saying that is is so immensely helpful for anyone that yeah. might be listening or watching this. Yeah. And it's true. I don't, I don't have those thoughts anymore. So yeah. Um, yeah. And they were common. Like it, it happened a lot. One time with my baby strapped to my chest, I was like, if I just jumped right now, everything yeah. would be over. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I will put in the show notes if anyone is to that point where, you know, you're thinking about it right now, you just need someone to talk to. You don't have someone else to talk to. Um, go to the suicide. Um, risk hotline and you can even text, I think too. I think so too. I think you can text like the crisis yeah. line. Yeah. Which I, some people might be more comfortable doing that. So yeah. Yeah. I will put that down there if anyone needs it. Um, all right. So how does one allow the much needed grief, um, but keep themselves from staying stuck there and not moving forward? Mm-hmm. So this is a really tough one. I think that, no, it's it's a tough one for people to do. And I think it's a skill that you sort of grow. Gotcha. So I always like to follow, this is something I do when like something annoying happens in my day. So you give yourself a moment to process it. If you tend to be a big ruminator, I recommend even like setting a time on this 
So I have 20 minutes to like roll around in this feeling. And if it comes up again later, I can have another 20 minutes this afternoon to think about it. And that way, you know, like there's a moment in your day set aside for when you need to process it more. Mm -hmm. So acknowledge the feeling. This isn't good. I'm sad, whatever the feeling is. Then it's time to like move into more of a, okay, so what do I want to do with this feeling? How, how do I want to use this to my advantage? How do I want to, you know, like for you, for example, like taking something that you've gone through and doing this podcast or Mm -hmm. talking to other women that are struggling, like that's a way that you could translate a negative feeling, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then I say like, okay, go for gratitude. So that's when you're going to move into, um, all right, what else am I grateful for? Like, you know, maybe I'm having a lot of issues with my heart, but I'm so grateful that I can walk. I have my Mm -hmm. legs, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Um, and then it's time to like try to move on and, and even just start doing tasks. You don't need Mm -hmm. to say like, I'm going to get rid of this feeling, but just start moving forward. And if you still have the thoughts, that's okay. But just keep moving. Yeah. And if the feelings come back later, that's a sign of like, oh, I need to spend a little bit more time on this. I think I've gone through the grief, I think, but it's funny, I still come back to it. Like I still have moments sure. where I'm like, why I get angry? It's like, well, why did I yeah. have to go through that for? Mm-hmm. And and why do I have to worry about these things that I eat and other people don't? And yeah, you. I don't think it's ever something that you're completely out of on the- totally and you and you'll feel the feelings yeah they just won't rule you so exactly. you might have those thoughts now but it's not going to cripple you and no. make you not able to do things no and it's like a minute it's not right. like exactly yeah. yeah I think people try to they become very like punitive when they have those negative thoughts and they try to move too quickly from feeling the feeling to like gratitude or moving on and they don't acknowledge it. Yes. And then it's even harder to move Yes. Forward. I hated the phrase. Um, I hated, what were they? Uh, everything happens for a reason. <laughs> the worst. Oh, I hated that. And yep. don't say that to people yeah. with chronic <laughs> illness because... Like, what's the reason? Maybe it could have <laughs> happened to you and... Right. Then, would, then would there be reason to it? I don't think so. Um, right. And, oh, I forget. I forget the other ones, but just like the ultra positive. Oh, I hate. Drove me crazy. Oh, be positive. That was, yeah. that's what it was. Just be positive. Yeah. Well, no. Like this is rough. Like I have to actually be honest with my feelings. Yeah. Here. Yeah. <laughs> so and it's like okay. Thanks for the suggestion. Thank you. We get right on that. Yeah. You feel this for a couple of days and then you tell me how positive you are. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh man. Okay. So um anything that you would like to touch on, throw out there for someone with chronic illness or um anxiety, depression, anything that um, Yeah. I think I just always want to encourage people to seek out counseling as a component of their overall wellness program. It is not a cure-all, it is not going to fix everything, but it's it's a critical component of helping you heal. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was talking to a doctor yesterday, actually, who said that he calculated, you know, his patient compliance and his patients that were involved in psychotherapy were 
immensely more compliant that weren't. Interesting. Yeah. So I thought that was super interesting. And that was a motivator for him to get, you know, his patients involved in therapy. And I need to look up, I'm sure there's some studies of that, but we believe it's, (laughs) it's, um, it's a great way, I think, to keep you motivated, keep you engaged, and just to have an outlet to process all these really difficult things that you're going through. Validating it. Just having one person that says, I get it. Yeah. I believe you. Yeah. I believe you. This is hard. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, What if, let's say someone wants to find a therapist and they don't have the financial ability to pay, what would you suggest then? Totally. So um, there are a lot of therapists that will see people on like a sliding scale, depending on your income. I personally see full-time students at a discounted rate. Okay. Um, So that's a lot. Some therapists will have different populations that they work with. There's a great website called Open Path Collective. Okay. I'll Um, link it. Yeah. So that website will connect you with clinicians that offer um, therapy for anywhere from $30 to $50 a session. Wow. That's great. Yeah. So that's really good. And you don't need to use your insurance for those. And then I always recommend uh, university mental health like training programs. They're wonderful because they're doctoral master students. They're actually, they have really small caseloads. They're under intense supervision. So you are getting a lot of attention, actually more than you would get outside. And I know when I was working there, people would pay for like a dollar, $5 a session. You have a university in your area that's definitely call their training clinic. Yeah. I remember the clinic at my university and, and I'm sure that it's all up to date research too. So they're, they're. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they, yeah. the people want to be good. They're preparing. <laughs> yeah. They're very devoted. They're probably terrified. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> terrified so, into doing a great job with you. So exactly. That's a great suggestion. Yeah. That's always a good one for people in places where there's a university. Awesome. Um, how about you? Like if someone were to want to start seeing you? Do they have to be a Florida resident? Is that? Yes. Okay. So I only work with people in Florida. Like I said, I do offer online sessions. So if you're in Florida and want online, that's a possibility. Um, My office is in Miami where I do in-person sessions and Instagram and my website are the easiest ways to find me. Okay. And what are your handles on there? Can you share? Yeah. Yeah. So my Instagram is at sitwithwit. And then my website is collabcounseling.com. Okay. And I will also put links to those in the show notes as well so they can find you. Um, So just to have a little bit of fun before we sign off, I'm going to give you some rapid fire questions here. So don't think too hard. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, What's your current mantra? 80% is good enough. Ooh. Yes. That's my... Keeping me through my business growth right now. <laughs> yeah, you just opened, right? Yeah, I'm opening yeah. a bigger office in March. Okay. okay. Yeah. Very so, exciting. You're doing it, girl. You're doing it. Thank you. Okay, this isn't exactly being rapid fire because I'm like, sorry. Okay. Um, what word do you always misspell? Restaurant. <laughs> That's so hard. <laughs> you know which one I always misspell? Oh. Psychologist. Oh, that's so funny. One. <laughs> I always have to spell check it. Okay. Um, best movie you've ever seen? So I don't watch a lot of movies. I'm you a don't? big TV person. Okay. So you could do that. Um, yeah. So 
Right now, I've been watching the R. Kelly documentary. Which oh, really, I have to see this. Oh, Everyone is horrible. talking about it. I know. But, but you have to watch it. <laughs> I feel like I do. I feel like with daughters, it's going to terrify me. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Ugh. Yeah. All right. So um, worst movie or show? Ugh. I worst movie to me was I think it was called Moonrise Kingdom. I really did not. Know. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorites. <laughs> so many people love that movie. It's Wes Anderson though. Like, do you like oh Wes gosh. Anderson humor? I, I don't think so. My husband and I like got up and left. <laughs> yeah, you, it, it's um, it's like liking a certain type of cheese. Like, if, right? If you I don't guess. like it, you don't like it, and right. that's okay. <laughs> Oh, it's so funny. Um, which food do you crave the most that you can't eat? Is there any, are you on a... So I'm very lucky to not really have a lot okay. of food allergies, um, but I really love pizza and I can't eat it a lot or I fall asleep. Like it makes me Everyone. Oh, so, <laughs> for everyone. None of us should be eating pizza. Like exactly. <laughs> um, favorite quote? Uh, anything that Brene Brown says is, is my favorite quote. Yes. <laughs> Do you have a favorite uh, book of hers? Follower. Okay. I have been reading, um, shoot, the one about perfectionism. I can't remember the title. Oh, um, I don't know the name of it. I don't know the name of it I, either. I read, Daring Greatly is her, right? Yes. Yeah, I read that Darren one. Greatly. And then the other one is... Um, I don't want to, I'm a fan, but I don't remember. We anything. love her, but <laughs> we don't know what any of her books Not are. Not enough, <laughs> Read them all. Um, well, so you're reading that right now. So that kind of cancels out. <laughs> Did you have yes. a different one? Okay. No, okay. No, yeah. Okay. Um, what creeps you out? Roaches. Ugh. Not a worst. <laughs> My son had lice a couple of weeks ago. Oh, no. <laughs> terrible. <Oof>. Terrible. <sighs> okay. Biggest pet peeve? Um, munching food. Mm-hmm. Like, with your mouth open. Yep. No. Done. <laughs> it's so funny because one of the other people I interviewed, they said people eating dairy in front of them. So oh apparently it's like a thing. That's <laughs> funny. I also wrote licking your fingers while eating. I <laughs> I couldn't put just one pet peeve. It all has to do with food, though. Oh, yeah. We need yeah. to mind our manners when we're yeah. eating around you. Big eating things. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Well, thank you so, so much for talking with me today. I so look forward to everything that you're doing. I'll be, be following you over there on Instagram. All of you listening or watching, make sure that you go check out Wits, um, her webpage. If you're in Florida and you would like to see someone, I can tell you you'll be in good hands. Um, keep up with her on Instagram. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. This was so fun. It was great. All right. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. I'm so glad you're here. I know there are thousands of other podcasts you could be listening to, and you listened to the end of this one, so thanks. Um, And just be sure to check out those show notes for any of the links that we discussed today. And if you enjoyed what you heard, there are other episodes that you can download and listen to over on iTunes, or you can go to callydixon.com 
listen to them there. Also, if you really enjoyed what you heard, um, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and you will be notified of any future episodes. And you know, while you're at it, I could really use some more ratings and reviews over on iTunes because that's what gets this information visible to people who need to hear it. So if you think they do, please go on over and give me some ratings and reviews. But thanks so much for being here. And until next time, go and live your life chronically well.